almost 40 years ago, I read a little booklet that was uh, titled Jesus Prayed, and it took passages out of Luke where Jesus is mentioned as praying or teaching in prayer. And uh, I built a message around that. It was one of the first messages I preached. I actually pulled that out and kind of dusted it off and reworked it this week. So I'd like to look at these passages out of Luke where Jesus was praying. And I guess part of it, um, you know, what draws me to that this particular time was that uh, I went to an uncle's funeral this past week, got to spend some time with my family and, and such. And uh, it came out that my uncle, uh, who has, was something of a mentor to me, um, his practice of prayer was from five to seven every morning. Uh, that would be his involvement. And on the way back, I uh, stopped at my brother's house, and we were talking about my own dad, and he brought up an experience that he had had that was identical to my own. And my father used to, at church at times, like on a Sunday night when we'd be in a meeting and there was a prayer time, he would pull us boys in. He'd be kneeling, pull us in around him, and he'd weep over us, over his life, over the church, you know, just it, his prayer was intense. And it was a very strong memory for me, but I didn't realize my brother had the identical thing for his life as well. And I guess I'd, I'd encourage you as parents, when you, you know, you set out and you say, okay, what's important to me? And if you say prayer is, maybe at some time you need to pull that kid in and participate together. Now, we were kind of going, why is dad crying? And what's going on? And, you know, Jesus, I'd like to talk to you too. You know, the, but it was, it was early, and it was formational in our lives. Um, the other thing that uh, came out this week is that um, my mother, who's been going through some physical issues, has been diagnosed with uh, ovarian cancer. And unless God intervenes, only has a few months left. But the measure of peace that I see over her life as a result of a life lived for God and devoted to him and consistent in the scripture and prayer is that this is like, I've lived my life. I'm an old lady. I don't have anything else that I really feel I need to get done or people that I need to see. It's like, when it's time, it's time. And I'm kind of going, I'd like to finish that way as well. <laughs> you know, to have that same measure of peace, so to speak. And I guess, you know, balancing that with summertime busyness, you know, for me personally, there's a measure of anxiety that says, I'm not getting my projects done like I want to do this summer. You know, the, the things that I hit, the list that I have is not finished by any stretch. And how do you balance that anxiety with what's to be, and at some point you've got to go back to the Lord and say, okay, what are you calling me to? What are you desiring of me? What do I need to establish in you? Because, you know, when I get running, you know, and chasing all of this, there's a measure of tension that really doesn't belong in my life. And so I want to, uh, with that as a backdrop, uh, I want to look at this out of Luke. Chapter 5 is the first mention of Jesus' prayer in Luke. 
It says news about him spread all the more, and crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. At the peak of his popularity, he's still recognizing that it's essential that he participate in prayer. At the, uh, the time when everything is working, he still recognizes there's a source that I need to pursue in this. And it's oftentimes when our own successes, in a sense, pull us away from the very things that got us to that moment. And in this, Jesus, he didn't violate that. In fact, you know, he didn't grow up to the point where he didn't participate in prayer. If anything, his prayer was more intense than what you and I participate in. And so when things are working right, he's still going in prayer. It's interesting to me, too, that he would have recognized that all of the healings that he was doing were temporal. They were awesome. They were miraculous. They're the things that we hope to participate in. But when he healed the eyesight and the person was going to die a few years later, that's a temporal fix, right? When he takes a lame person and suddenly they can walk, it's, it's wondrous and it's amazing, but it's still temporal. And he wasn't Fooled by such things, he knew there was more important things involved. And so even in this peak of popularity, there's an awareness that there's more to life than even what he's handing out in that form. Now the next chapter, you know, the popularity shifts and the Pharisees and teachers of the law are furious at what he's doing and they start discussing what they can do to get rid of him. So everything's going good. Suddenly there are the naysayers and those who are going, I don't like this person at all. So he's about to move into a different phase of ministry, so to speak. But also it says that when he went to choose his apostles or the disciples, the ones that he was going to invest in the most over the next period of time, he went out and spent all night in prayer before he actually selected them. And so in this decision-making process, he invests in what's important and say, God, what's your heart in this? Who are you wanting me to pour my energies into? So again, decision-making, appropriate time to pray. Ninth chapter. Jesus goes up on the mount, and this is known as a transfiguration story. Takes up a few disciples with him. His face changes and brightens. His whole appearance is different. He's talking with Moses and Elijah. You know, there's strange things happening. But it's like he has gone to pray, and there's a transformation that's taking place physically upon him, even in prayer. When we look and say, we want our lives changed. We want to be all that God wants us to be. Prayer is not going to be an aside. It's going to be a part and passion of what we do. It says even then they were talking about his departure and the fulfillment of things in Jerusalem. So when he's talking, with, he's looking into the future and he's getting a clarity about what's going to be and what is. And, and, and you know, that stirs my heart. It's like we're all wrestling with what do these times mean? You know, we see different things going on and things changing. What, how am I supposed to respond to this? What am I supposed to be doing? 
There is a source that knows. There's a source that understands. And we have access to that. It's important that we pursue the Lord in it. Chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. What follows is the Lord's prayer and some teaching that he gives. But it goes like this. Father, you know, I, <laughs> I'm so locked into how I learned this that it's almost impossible for me to read this. And obviously what we, what we pray as the Lord's Prayer is a blending of Matthew and Luke together. But, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's this recognition that Jesus brought to Christianity and to us in wondrous insight was that we can approach God as Father. Kurt had mentioned a couple weeks back that, you know, the Old Testament concept of God didn't carry the idea of Father very strong. In fact, most of the time you see provider, Lord of hosts, you see my uh, healer, you see different you know, aspects of who he was. But the idea of Father and the relationship that we have and the opportunity for that doesn't come across strong. But he starts out and says, you can be known as the children of God. You can have that relationship as a, a child asks his parent for things. Um, it's interesting to me that uh, when, we're, when we talk about later in this passage, it says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, won't he give it to you? And I started tracking that through. What, well, what, what of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The Holy Spirit is part of what brings us into salvation, right? A birth of the Spirit. There's this connection. We have the right to pray for salvation, and receive it of him. God's not going to refuse us of that. But when we talk about character changes and saying, I want to be like him, I recognize him as perfect or hallowed. I recognize him as holy. I want to be like that. He develops, the Spirit develops character in our lives, right? We talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of that is, is connected to this person of the Holy Spirit. And so we have the right to, to call out and say, transform me, change my life. The giftings that are available to us, you know, to, to, to have him incorporate into our lives gifts that are of value to those around us. What a privilege that is. And so he, he, he makes this prayer and he says, Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. You know, he's, he's acknowledging and saying, it's your agenda that counts. You know, when I'm wrestling through all these summer things, it's his agenda that counts. And so there's that drawing back and saying, what are your desires? What's, what's your will in this? And then it goes into the temporal and saying, give us this day our daily bread. You know, that we have temporal issues, and we know that he's involved in caring about that. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, this is an anniversary Sunday for me. Uh, I debated whether I should be sharing this or not. Well, here it comes. Uh, I associate that as a freedom from pornography as connected with art on the rocks. 
Um, can't tell you how many years ago, somewhere in that five to seven range, or and it's, it wasn't an everyday occurrence, not even every month, but I can point back and say victory from that point on. And so, you know, in that, there's this awareness. When I come to the Lord and I pray for forgiveness of sins, I'm regularly taking on new issues. But there's a knowledge that there is the capability of walking in victory and healing and being set free from those things. And so when we, we come to the Lord, and, you know, He's teaching us a form here, right? You can, you can pray this prayer straight through in probably 20 seconds or less. But you can invest hours into it, if you will. It, it, it structures our thinking and our prayer. And so when we're looking at this and we're going, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, it's, there's an acknowledgement, God is gracious to keep forgiving me. But then I've also got to be willing to live like him and be willing to forgive others as well. So when, when Shar and I are mixing it up, you know, the woman's not perfect. I, I know she looks it, and trust me on this one. Yeah. See there, there's some spark of anger right now. <laughs> you all pray for me. Now she can fire it off, and me too. But how do you live together for years and years except that you embrace forgiving one another? How do you, how do you walk in health together and continue in, in love except that you're willing to participate in this? If you're going to harbor all these angerness, angers that, <laughs> angerness is bitterness and anger built together. <laughs> these angerness is <laughs> built up over time. Um, it, 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 it'll rip you apart relationally, right? So, particularly in marriage, you've got to learn to be forgiving on a daily basis. <laughs> moment by moment, we go move. Yeah. Both sides, right? And so as we walk through this, God wants to be a part of that process. You know, regularly, I'm coming to him in prayer, and he's going, you are nasty. You shouldn't have said that to her. And I have to go back and apologize. And it's like, yeah, but she said this, you know. <laughs> if I want peace with him, I've got to be willing to make peace with others. And then the finally, in the prayer, lead us not a temptation. And as, as the prayer, we know... Deliver us from the evil one. We recognize there is a battle going on. We recognize that this world as we know it is not what will always be. But we're mixing it up supernaturally. And we're saying, God, give us victory in these areas. So he walks through that with them. And then he goes on to say, suppose you have a friend, comes at midnight and says, Give me some bread. And he's saying, this guy isn't going to respond just out of friendship. 
But just the audaciousness of, of the request, he's going to be forced to do something. And Jesus is drawing us to this point. The Son of God coming to teach us about prayer says, audacious requests are all right. The Son of God is coming to us and saying, persistence pays off. God is laying out a form for prayer, and he's not saying, uh, don't be bugging him too much. He's saying, throw it out there. Go for it. What an incredible idea. God's saying, I'm willing to let you do this. I, I want to hear it. It's so amazing to me. You know, I, I regularly with my kids, it was like, give me some space. And essentially, God's saying, I don't need the space. Keep at it. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Want the doors open? <laughs> Keep pursuing. Which of your fathers, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? He says, if it, you're imperfect, but you know how to give good gifts to your kids. I mean, you don't have it all together, but you still have this idea of what a good gift is, and you do it. How much more for God who's perfect to give good gifts to his own? Let's go on to Luke 18. Jesus tells a parable of prayer of a widow woman who comes to a judge and says, I need you to take care of my case. And the idea being that a widow didn't really have much right in that community, was not a person of influence or power. So the judge could have just brushed her aside and said, leave me alone. There's an interesting picture that comes out of this because the NIV says, um, I've got to give her justice or eventually she'll come attack me. And I'm going, what? So I went back and I was looking at the original words of that. And that word, it, it, it's a boxing term. It's like, she'll punch me in the face if I don't <laughs> give her what she wants. What an incredible idea. This widow's going to come punch me if I don't, I, don't, I don't want her to keep bothering me. Again, if Jesus is calling us to persistence, if God's advice to us in prayer is be persistent, what an incredible thing that is. I would, you know, I would, I would be going, I want to be very careful on how I say this. I'm approaching holy God. I wouldn't be talking about punching in the face. Okay? But Jesus did. And so, essentially, he's saying it doesn't have to be all cleaned up. You just need to get in there and get it with it. Let's go on. 
Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Satan's asked to sift you as wheat. Jesus is letting the disciples know you're all going to flee. You're going to run off. Peter's going, uh, not me. I'm convinced of your ministry. I'm convinced of the validity of what you're doing. I, I just don't see myself doing it. Jesus said, Satan's asked to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And so Jesus not only sees his friend, sees that he will fail, but is already praying regarding the restoration and the future ministry to come out of that. What an incredible thing. So oftentimes we look at our friends and we're going, they are headed towards some real trouble here. And there's a tendency in us to get mad and say, just don't even want to deal with them. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm praying for your restoration, even before the event. I'm praying that you will strengthen your brothers when you're back on track. I'm praying that faith won't be disappearing from your life, but rather will, that it'll, it'll come through this event. You know what stands out to me? God isn't surprised by my failure. I am. You know, when, when I mentioned pornography, do you think he was surprised that I was vulnerable in that area? I don't think so at all. It used to freak me out. How on earth did I do that? I'm a minister. And yet, as he reveals to us who we are, we also get a wonderful insight as to who he is in releasing us and forgiving us and setting us free. And so when we, you know, we walk through these seasons, Peter, he didn't see it coming. Jesus did. God knows when failure is going to be a part of our lives. His whole purpose of coming to earth was to forgive us our sin, to restore, to set us free in him. Okay, the last scene, Luke 22. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Just catch the phrase, as usual. Disciples followed him on reaching the place. He said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So he recognizes that he's walking into the biggest trial of his life, so to speak, Death is just a few hours off. Incredible suffering in between. And yet, he is acknowledging, he says, I really don't want to walk through this, but I do want to accomplish your will more than escaping this. And so he's encouraging the disciples. You know, and they're all tired. They're all exhausted. And he's saying, Pray. This is how you're going to come through this victoriously. And in his case, it says he withdrew a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. 
you know, Father, if you're willing. It says he prayed more earnestly and sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There was an intensity about what he's doing. When he arose, he went back to the disciples. He found them asleep and exhausted from sorrow. Now I ask you, who had more on the line, him or them? But even being around it, they were exhausted and sorrowful. And yet he's, he's coming to this point, and he's saying, get up and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. Why are you sleeping? Regularly I excuse myself from prayer, just saying, well, I'm tired. This is not a legitimate excuse. There's a responsibility to say, Lord, what in this moment? And if we see that it, there's an intensity of something in advance, we need to pray until it's settled in our hearts, then get to sleep. So, you know, as, as we walk through this, I'm looking at it again and saying, well, I know I have to keep rediscovering prayer and its forms and facets for my life. You know, there are times when, when I'll walk through a list and I'll, I'll do that list for months and then one day I'll be going, I'm bored with this. And it's like a voice from the Lord will go, yeah, I'm pretty bored with this too. You know, you think it's bad for you. You know, it's meant to be relational and, and, and conversational. And about the time we think we've got it figured out one way, it just it moves on us. And it's so that we continue in this conversation rather than the form. But the beauty of this is, is this is what He's called us to. And this is what He offers to us. It helps us, in a sense, deal with the temporal and recognize the eternal for its importance. How do you step away from the demands of all, what's all around us except that you catch a glimpse again of what the eternal is about. I'll close with a, a final illustration. Uh, at my uncle's funeral, one of my cousins and I had a chance for an extended conversation. and This is a kid that I was close to growing up. Uh, he was an athlete who got into opera. Go figure. Um, did quite well, traveled all over the world, uh, also got into the profane lifestyle connected with it, but God has been drawing him back. And one of the things that he made mention to me, he says, you know, one of the things that stirred me was that a study came out of Harvard regarding meditation, and they're going, it's not about the position, and it's not about emptying your mind, but... They're going, people who meditate actually have physical, physiological changes in their brain. Their gray matter gets restored, so to speak. And they're going, this is a very healthy thing for us. What a surprise that prayer would have physiological benefit to us. Not, not just... <laughs> The wonder of communication with God, 
but he puts a plus into it that helps anchor us. Only the Creator. But it should draw great joy to us. And as my cousin was walking through this, he goes, got to do it. <laughs> Drawn back. Acknowledging that God has built into our lives a wonderful opportunity for communication with Him. He encourages us to pursue it persistently. Face-punching aggressiveness. And that He responds to our prayer. Would you stand with me? Ask the worship team to come back. Lord, we thank You for Your Scripture that speaks life to us. We thank you for your example of prayer while on earth. Help each of us to find our place with prayer. Amen. I'm going to pray for God's blessing upon you. But I want to give one more illustration. I was so thankful they sung this song this morning, calling out to our Father. Um, Jesus' teaching, you know, was it, this was important teaching, this being Father. There's another passage, uh, Romans 8, which is some of the most important teaching on the work of the Holy Spirit that we have. What does it say? He intercedes for us, but he teaches us how to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. So, you know, not only was Jesus putting this out, but the Holy Spirit enlightens our hearts and says this truly is a daddy child relationship you know how much you want to please your kids and work with them and see them grow and flourish all of those positive things that are a part of parenting that's what we have to look at in regard to our relationship with that i'm sorry some of you did not have good dad relationships i know that but you have opportunity to say, what is the ideal father? And to pin that on our God and say, I know that's how you see me. And that's what I want. I want that closeness with you. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to hear your voice speaking into my heart. That is available. What a privilege that is. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it means to have a father. May that their deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. Speak over others. I pray that their deeds will be fitting with the workings of your kingdom. I ask that you'll enable them with the supernatural. Be exalted and lifted up, our God, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you. What remains is open-ended worship. Encourage you to stay, anchor things in the Lord if He's brought them alive to you. If you need prayer, seek out someone that will participate with you.